Welcome to Power Up, a podcast show hosted by Maurizio Di Paolo Emilio that brings life to some of the stories on Power Electronics technologies and products featured on PowerElectronicsNews.com and through other as Pencor Media publications. In this show, you'll hear both engineers and executives discuss news, challenges, and opportunities for power electronics in markets such as automotive, industrial, and consumer. Here is your host, Editor-in-Chief of PowerElectronicsNews.com and EEWeb.com, Maurizio Di Paolo Emilio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this new episode of PowerUp. Today, the topic is wireless charging, and we will talk about this topic with Cesar Johnston of Energius. This episode is brought to you by Energius, innovation in the next generation of wireless charging. Frequent replacement of small batteries is a problem for many wearable solutions and, in some cases, almost impossible for consumers. Wireless charging technology eliminates the need to frequently change batteries or connect a power cord, providing flexibility, convenience and peace of mind. Wireless charging technologies can support a wide range of applications, such as smartphone, wearable, and medical devices. Hearing aids can be life-changing for those who have lost their hearing. Replacing small batteries can, however, be a challenge for some individuals, especially older people. These small batteries must be frequently replaced for devices to continue to operate. In this podcast, we will talk about wireless charging with Cesar Johnston, Executive Vice President of Engineering for Energius. Energius VATAP wireless charging technology enables the next generation of hearing aids without having to worry about battery replacement. Cesar is responsible for accelerating the next technology about wireless power. Let's talk. With him, let's talk with Energius to know more about wireless charging. Hi, Cesar. Thank you for coming on. Welcome to Power Up Podcast and thanks for the opportunity to talk with uh, with you about wireless charging. How are you? Hi, Maurizio. How are you? And thank you for the opportunity to once more talk to you. It's very exciting and we look forward to any challenging questions that you have for us so that we can introduce the company properly. Yeah, great. So, uh, as I said, as you said, we will talk about RF-based wireless charging, but before starting, uh, before going into details, please uh, introduce yourself, your company, your role. Yes, uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, this is Cesar Johnston. I'm the acting CEO at Energers Corporation. Energers is the leader in the development of systems and semiconductors for radio frequency wireless power transmission. Wireless charging. So the topic of today is uh, wireless charging. This is a nice topic to consider with the advent of IoT. The rise of uh, mobile technology means that we are far less dependent on wires. So we have uh, all sorts of uh, devices that are uh, wireless. IoT devices, as you know, have batteries that need to be constantly charged or replaced. And in this case, wireless charging can help. As you wrote in one of your nice article, 
you walk into your living room and your smartwatch starts charging automatically and very fast. So uh, my my first question, which are the main points enabling this RF-based wireless charging to transform the IoT ecosystem, powering all devices at home, office, but also car and beyond? So, so uh, definitely. So what's important to realize here is that when we talk about what charging, wireless charging, uh, there are a couple of different uh, definitions. There's the near field and the far field. In order to have mobility, we need far field. And therefore, energy technologies, in this case, average wireless power is required. There is a need to be able to move within the room. There is a need to to be able to charge as you move. And definitely, uh, what's most important about that is that, technically speaking, it is possible but what's important today, as you mentioned in the case of the uh, wearables, uh, what's important mm-hmm. today is the intersection of the market with the technology and the regulatory rules. So what I'm trying to tell you is that the market is ready. The market has plenty of examples of devices that are low power, like, like, like wearables, sensors, that do have dedicated batteries, and they have pretty much limited no- uh, amount of energy that they can deliver over the day, and it becomes pretty painful to be charging this on a constant basis. So wireless will enable us. So in that intersection of market and technology, uh, there are three things that are important. Uh, There's the market, there's the technology, and there's the regulatory. From a market point of view, just to summarize, the proliferation of consumer and IoT devices is what sets the direction. And the battery requirements that we have is is basically, uh, is beginning to increase in complexity, meaning that, for instance, if we were to support sensors, uh, the, the need to have smart sensors and to have, in certain cases, certain levels of smart tagging or artificial intelligence requires higher batteries or, or, or larger batteries that, once more, they don't last. But by having wireless technologies, it will become seamless. So what we offer in the market side is we offer value on power and range. We we are We have technologies that have increase the, the, the conducted transmission power, and we can talk about that later. And as a result of that, they also have increased the range, meaning the distance at which a transmitter or multiple transmitters across a room can be deployed and, and have an area where you can charge devices. So that, that's one intersection point. Uh, the second intersection point deals with, with the technology. Uh, there are very well-known now advances in low-power efficient technologies. And what's important about those low power and efficient technologies is that they also have to be low cost. They have to be specifically designed for RF wireless transmission. And this is when things start happening. Building prototypes or or proofs of concepts using off-the-shelf components is not the way to go. But at Energis, what we've done is we have developed dedicated architectures and dedicated technology to make that happen. And we've done this at, at a very low cost compared to what's available out there. So we are now pushing that forward. So that opens up uh, that mm-hmm. new market. And the last thing is regulatory. From a technology point of view, it is possible to send power, and it's possible to send power at very, very high uh, levels and very, very high, very high range. The, the key here is that there are regulations, and most important for RF wireless power transmission, the regulations today are limited. There has not been a clear 
let's call it regulation that, that is specifically designed for wireless power transmission. And there, and there is the evolution of the, of the system where Energis now has opened up and has be, been piggybacking on Part 18. And now we're pushing standards as well as government uh, organizations, not just in the U.S., but also in Europe and other parts of the world, to, to be able to sustain some level of power and some level of range that will once more open up and be able to distribute power across a room and be able to put levels that are safe in the order, let's, of, let's say, 100 milliwatts or so, that are good enough for sensors in this particular case and for, for wearables and other, other devices that people have today. Great. So reading uh, one uh, of your articles, I like when you write over the wireless charging is not a nice to have. It is increasingly becoming a need to have. And uh, of course, in this case, uh, uh, we need to talk also about uh, the, the cost that is very important. The cost would address the high performance too. Another element would be the speed time uh, of charging i mean so the fast uh, fast charging and uh, so generally how we import how important is charging speed for the average consumer distance security i guess that will be factors parameters to consider in this case also in comparison with uh, a wired solution uh definitely mauricio uh, we are at the stage of a of a new evolution in technology a new evolution of people being and changing the way they operate. If you recall in the early days of communications, everybody loved their, their internet interface. And when wireless started ramping up, as an example, mm -hmm. Wi-Fi, there was always the case of, oh yeah, I prefer to use the internet because it is unreliable or has no coverage and so on, right? And people eventually realized that wireless is the way to go. And today, no one complains about Wi-Fi, so it's, it's happened. So it's a, it's a change in behavior that people need to have. Now, on your specific question, is fast charging better, let's say, than seamless charging? And I want to emphasize that. Uh, mm -hmm. Being fast means being dedicated, being assigned to an outlet for a given time. And, and because you're assigned and you're limited on the availability of that outlet, then you have to be fast. But now, imagine a new world where... You access energy, and it's seamless. It's just happening while you're sitting down, and therefore you can also guarantee the same the same level of charging that the device requires. And by the way, it doesn't have to be fast. It just has to be good enough to cover the delta between the, the charging time per, the charging power per time that a device gets versus the discharge power of time that a device gets. And in many many applications, it is actually positive that the charging time over time is greater than the discharge time over time, especially in, in places when you are in the office and places when you're at home where you can actually deploy this type of networks and, and once more change that seamless uh, view. So that's one dimension. On your second question on cost, uh, definitely uh, there is no way that, that we can deploy a cost-effective system or network without having dedicated devices that have, op that be have been optimized for performance and cost. It is the same historical fact that happened in communication networks, and we, our energists, are doing the same thing with wireless power technologies. We have developed transmitters dedicated for RF wireless power. We have dedicated power amplifiers that are very high uh, power and very low cost, and it allows us to now define transmitters and receivers that can be easily 
design, very simplistic architecture, and can be pretty much deployed. Okay. So your WhatsApp uh, uh, wireless charging technology is uh, based on uh, radio frequency adapted to small format products and uh, devices. Uh, the technology uh, supports at contact and over the air wireless charging with the possibility to uh, reuse, reusing the po- positioning and uh, interference issues with the coil based uh, solutions. Uh, what are, can you tell me what are the main features of your technology that we need to, to highlight, to be highlighted? In particular, the reasons for 900 megahertz and uh, no beam forming approaches that uh, are implemented. Yes. So when you talk about at contact and when you talked about distance transmission, the beauty of RF wireless power transmission is that there is a generic common uh, technology across the solutions. But I think what's important about both of them is the fact that by not using beam forming, we equate our performance from a one-to-many transmission to a near near field solution, okay? So as opposed to other similar RF wireless power technologies that have proposed to have beam forming solutions that, by the way, are extremely expensive compared to a a single antenna optimized for wireless power. What we are actually talking about is a one-to-many simple low-cost architecture that is unique and and is... uh, Available today through our five and a half watt uh, watt up transmitter. So that's from a functionality point of view. What's unique now from a 900, 900 megahertz point of view, the list the list of advantages and, and the reasons why nine hundred is is extremely long. And I'm just going to mention a couple of them. But one obvious one, one simple one, is from a safety point of view. Um, the 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 SAR levels for 900 megahertz are way much lower than the SAR levels of 5 gigahertz or 2 gigahertz or higher frequencies in the 20 gigahertz or so. Uh, From that perspective, 900 megahertz is way much safer. Mm -hmm. From a range extension, it is a given. I mean, 900 megahertz will get you up to sometimes five times more range than you could potentially have with a two two gigahertz or a five gigahertz system, so yeah. so as you can tell here, right, you're you're now using 900 megahertz at its best, better SAR, better uh, range, better also uh, in, uh, minimize better minimal interference to mm-hmm. uh, to code system networks like Wi-Fi and Bluetooth and so on. In fact, we use Bluetooth as out of the out of band system by which we communicate, and it works perfectly. While 2.4 or 5 is is sending communication, that communication doesn't get interrupted while devices are charged. So so those are some of the advantages, some of the issues why 900 becomes important. And on your third topic, being forming and non-being forming, uh, as you go up in frequency, as you go up in frequency, uh, in order to get the gain that you're looking at and in order to be able to pack Antenna, an antenna array into a smaller uh, solution. What, what you're actually sacrificing, and people sometimes do not want to discuss that, is that multiple antennas actually have isolation problems. Therefore, the overall gain of the single antennas become a challenge. And as you start packing them closer and closer, the amount of gain that you have 
becomes at some point in time negligible. Okay, so there's a balance on the size of the of the transmitters. There's a balance on the number of antennas, and most important, because you're using an array, you are multiplying the front end devices. You're multiplying the number of uh, power amplifiers that you have in a transmitter. You are now adding complexity on pretty much uh, the how how you beamform, and therefore, mm-hmm. because you beamform now, you're increasing your SAR. So so it's it's a negative effect versus a beamforming solution where you have very simple architecture, you have a very simple antenna solution, uh, very, very safe deployment, and certainly you can use multiple of them as you evolve the network into a much longer range area within your premises. So those are some of the issues here with beamforming versus non-beamforming that hopefully yeah. help you. Yeah, great. So our users would know some examples of uh, devices where uh, we can find your technology. So can you give me examples of uh, devices with your uh, technology? I know that it has been uh, selected to charge uh, ER Technics hearing devices, TIEX, but in particular about uh, consumer, not consumer, medical, not medical, what are the differences between uh, wire charging if there are for medical and not medical devices? Certainly. Uh, so, so there is two technologies that we pretty much support. There's the near field technology, as you mentioned before, and there is also the far field technology that you mentioned. Uh, from a near field point of view, we have various customers at different stages of development. Uh, there is customers that we, we have announced, like you mentioned, Ear Technique or New Sound, that they're looking at hearing aids. We also have other announced uh, customers like Roclay and American Equus that are looking at mm-hmm. sensors with human and animal use to be able to track uh, your, your uh, living uh, conditions such as mm-hmm. temperature and, and, and be able to, to make sure that uh, you can track the performance, let's say, of, of horses and so on. And, and from a technology point of view, those are very, from, from an energy technology point of view, they are very similar. The, the transmitters certainly uh, can be designed in such a way that have different power levels. For instance, uh, hearing aids typically have higher power requirements, receive power requirements than sensors, at, at least for what we've seen right now. There could be some sensors that, as we move forward, will be higher. But but from a, from that perspective, it is very, very similar. Mm-hmm. I think where, where it becomes different, where it becomes really different, is on the particular market application where the customer needs to decide the, the levels that they want to uh, receive and the periodicity or, or, or how they want to basically charge these devices. Okay, and each one of them have their own uh, specific uh, solutions. But most important of the, on the whole picture besides what we do is that differentiation comes when the customer decides that their product has to be a very specific product like a hearing aid or a sensor and they have different devices that they use to implement uh, the, the solution. For instance, the hearable guys will use high-performance microphones and, and high-performance speakers, right? They have uh, digital signal processing devices. They might have a different uh, proprietary level of, of audio software that makes them unique and different from everybody else. But the fundamental skeleton is the same. Similarly with the sensors, uh, from a human, from a, to, let's say to an animal application, they're all very similar. They're all e- equivalent from a, again, hardware skeleton point of view, 
But when it comes to the dedicated use of, let's say, uh, being able to measure temperature, being able to track other uh, body uh, functions, then those particular customers have different implementations. But the beauty of all this is that our technology coexists with all these different type of uh, uh, complexity that our customers expect and, and, and demand from us. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, in our just, um, I guess, a couple of weeks ago, a few months ago, announced a partnership with uh, EPs to develop an evaluation board that uh, combines uh, energy harvesting and wireless charging. Uh, so which are the benefits and uh, future application of this board? Uh, this will be a combination, I mean, energy harvesting and wireless charging that could be guaranteed uh, to the use, the, the, the use or sites of uh, or, or battery, thinking in uh, in the world about uh, IoT devices with no battery. So we, what uh, what I mean uh, in terms of energy harvesting that can be help the the powering of these uh, uh, devices. Thinking about uh, wireless powering in this case. Uh, sure, Mauricio. Uh, from the point of view of EPs, uh, they're a very very close partner of ours. Uh, we have now integrated, as you pointed out, uh, via this. Yeah. Uh, First, design uh, our technology with their technology. And in this particular case, what we have built is we have built a possible system that can support two potential markets or two potential uh, applications. One of them is the sensor market, right? That could be applying to, let's say, retail or industrial. And then we've looked at uh, electronic shelves, electronic shelf labels, okay, specifically mm-hmm. also in partnership with e Inc. Right, and the idea here is that uh, by 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 combining our technology with with EPs, we're looking at a potential IoT application solution all the way up to 200 milliwatts or so of received power, and it's all a function of range and so on. But as you pointed out, the the beauty it's it's a function of the market and the application where certain markets will not require batteries. Let's say sensors are very very low in power requirements; they're in the micro what numbers and and they're just uh, instantaneous periods of time where the energy is required and, and very very long charging times and for those applications definitely super super capacitors is the solution right and that's what we are uh, working on and actually this device that we have does have those super capacitors and the customer can uh, size those accordingly to their needs now we also have the capability through the EPS uh, PIMIC to to mm-hmm. have specific types of batteries and specific uh, levels of of charging that we can program here. So we can also uh, support batteries. So now, the idea of this device or or this reference design was to define the front end. So that front end, by the way, is is reusable, and many, many customers can apply that and step and repeat as needed. And what's being now dedicated that can actually grow as we identify new markets or customers find new markets is the sensor side, that looks at temperature, humidity, and light levels, as an example. And then the, the, the electronic shelf that is used for also retail and industrial sites, where you can effectively uh, use e-ink or other electronic labels that people might use. And, and again, other customers can come and reuse and, and grow into other vertical markets. But moving forward, I think what's important here 
is that smart sensors will, whether it's supercharged through supercharged capacitors or batteries, they will become smarter. They will become higher power. Batteries will not be as as large as they need today because by deploying energy harvesting, in this case, active uh, energy harvesting through our technology, we can mm-hmm. now support, say, artificial intelligence devices, and we can become the whole solution way much more smarter than, than what it is. And definitely, once we do that, I think what sometimes we don't talk about is we talk a lot about the hardware and the software, but that opens up a new, complete different business out there where you now are basically having instantaneous access to critical data that you can actually send into the cloud and, and some new markets and some new applications will be created thanks to the fact that now we can charge this type of devices that uh, are being designed as we speak. Great, thanks. So another topic that uh, I would like to, to talk with you is wideband gap semiconductors, such as um, gallium nitride, or GAN, and silicon uh, garbide, or SIC. So they can, uh, so in particular, GAN, offer uh, high efficiency for wireless charging technology. They are used uh, in the design of uh, power amplifiers and uh, rectifiers, which uh, easily outperform CMOS power efficiencies. So what do you think about this and uh, what is your program about? Uh, Definitely, uh, we at Energis actually do use three different technologies. We do use CMOS, we use GAN, and we use GAS, but I'm going to focus on CMOS and GAN right now. Everyone in the industry, and this has been over the past 21 years or more, knows that it is possible to do RF with CMOS. And CMOS has been the preferred technology for all communication systems today. I mean, there's no question there. And the fact that communication networks have actually used CMOS has lowered the cost to a level that basically has proliferated these devices into the world. Now, what we've done at Energis is we piggyback on CMOS. So you piggyback on CMOS for two reasons. Reason number one is it, it allows you to have high-density controllers, right? You, you can actually put plenty of, infra, plenty of circuitry to be able to mm-hmm. control uh, the system, the network. In, the, in our case, we have the 4100 transmitter that has a CPU. It has a, a front end and so on. So this is very effective for that. From a PA point of view, uh, the CMOS PA technology has moved forward from the early days where basically uh, you were under 10% efficiency. Certainly even today, if you look at communication networks, I mean, most PAs that are class A or B, they're in the order of less than 20% efficient, and maybe some are a little bit more than that. But in our particular case for wireless power transmission, we have solutions that are in the order of 45% or so because the type of PAs that we have are not specifically A or B, they're, they're class E uh, uh, power amplifiers. And there we see uh, applications where for low power transmission, let's say in the one watt uh, level, CMOS is, is, is competitive and CMOS is pretty much our solution. But for applications where you're moving beyond one watt, you're going into five watts, 10 watts and beyond, certainly GAN becomes now critical and what we have noticed about GAN, specifically for the case of power amplifier applications, is that power amplifiers are very, believe it or not, they're very simple devices, very hard to make work, but they also mm-hmm. require to have 
very, very critical uh, controllers. Okay, we want to make sure we want to make sure that they are controlled as they operate. The power goes up, the power goes down. That mm-hmm. the biasing again is a challenge. I mean, it's not the same levels of voltage that you that we're seeing most. And what we've done at, at Energis is we have split it and found the best compromise between, let's say, the 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 requirements for the power amplifier at high power, and then the the requirements of where we can fit. CMOS controllers, in our case, the EN3921, to get the best of both worlds, not just from a performance point of view, but also from a cost point of view. And you're correct about power amplifiers per GAN. They typically have greater than 50% performance improvement just by the Mm -hmm. nature of the technology, by the fact that the transistors in GAN have lower resistivity, right, and they have a much higher uh, susceptibility to temperature. Therefore, therefore, you, you end up with higher performance. So what we found here is the balance. There's a balance between GAN and CMOS, and they, from our perspective today, they belong together. And that those are the solutions that we provide uh, at Energist. Great. So, Cesar, we are uh, in conclusion. Uh, my last questions about uh, in which direction are you working to increase the performance and uh, which are the next challenges also based on uh, what your customers are asking you in particular if you can uh, if you could also give us some considerations in terms of uh, regulation and uh, standardization uh, definitely I think the most important uh, challenge is to identify those new markets and and be able to open them up as soon as possible because there's plenty of markets there, but we're doing this systematically because now the challenge becomes a regulatory challenge, right? So so from that perspective, from the regulatory point of view, we've been working in the U.S. with uh, the FCC. We we, we are part of what's called a new proposal, a new NPRM, where we are now looking at extending the distance of RF wireless power beyond one meter, okay? And to tell the truth, it, it is a challenge, not a technical challenge, definitely, but it's more of a, let's call it a, a legal challenge in the sense of the way uh, the regulations have been written. So we, we're working on trying to change the interpretation of, of the, a particular uh, a couple of sentences on, on, on the regulation. But most important is that there has not been there's no standard for RF wireless power transmission. And that is the main challenge. We've been working on that. We've been pushing the FCC as much as we can and working with them as much as possible to show them results and show them the fact that it is possible. And what we did about a couple of months ago is we actually had great support from Europe and we were able to certify our technology from a distance point of view. So we have no distance limitation for systems greater than one watt. And at, at the worldwide level, we've been working for years now trying to open up the ITU. And as you know, the ITU is like the United Nations of technology. And there's an effort that, that should be, uh, that is in progress towards the end of this year where average wireless power will be recognized. So the main challenge, get average wireless power recognized and having its own regulations piggybacking to all regulations that we've done at Energis, and we opened it up many years ago through Part 18 in the U.S. and other applications in, 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 in Europe is, is a big challenge that we've been working on. Also, from a standards point of view, we've been working with the Air Fuel Alliance, and 
We're hoping that this year we're going to be closing the, the first standards towards RF powerless uh, transmission. But I want to say that the most important challenge so far has been trying to be compared with communication networks, where communication networks love to have, in, in the case of, uh, let's say, Wi-Fi, uh, a limit at one watt conducted power. And we've been able to, mm-hmm. at to actually open up beyond one watt, and we have now offered systems that actually do operate at greater than one watt, in the case of the U.S., at, at uh, five watts up to one meter. That's why we need the distance. And in Europe, at greater than one watt with no distance limitation. So the challenges and what we're going to close technology-wise in the next uh, few uh, months is for us to extend that that range, that distance in the U.S. beyond one meter, and then open up that market in, in the U.S. and in Europe for no distance limitation and beyond. Of course, we, we're also going to, uh, to other countries. So we, we are improving the, the range axis. And, that, and what we're looking also, and we get recognition, is because we're pushing the power axis, right? So everyone always thought, one, what is the limit? Nope. Today we have five and a half watts, and we want to be able now to push that. And as you close that, our vision towards a much higher power will occur, but that will open up new markets that should use our IoT reference designs and new other, and new other designs that we're working on today. Okay. Yeah, great one. Great one, Cesar. Thanks a lot uh, for your time. Thanks a lot for the opportunity to have you in this uh, podcast. So it's been a pleasure to talk with you and know more about this uh, wonderful and useful information about wireless charging technology. Thank you, Cesar. Uh, thank you, Mauricio. It's always a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. Thank you, Cesar. Thank you, Enorgius. When we talk about wireless charging, there are a couple of different definitions, as Cesar said. There is the near field and far field. In order to have mobility, we need far field, where Enorgius is focused. In terms of technologies, the market has plenty of examples of devices that are low power, like wearables, sensors, that do have dedicated batteries and where wireless charging fits very well. Cesar said that there is no way that we can deploy a cost-effective system or network without having dedicated devices that have been optimized for performance and cost. It is the same historical fact that happened in communication networks. As Cesar said, we can image a new world where you access energy and it doesn't have to be fast. It uh, just has to be good enough to cover the delta between the charging power for time that a device gets versus the discharge power of time that the device gets. And in many applications, it is actually positive that the charging time over time is greater than the discharge time over time, especially in places such as home and office. Energius technology is based on 900 MHz and no beamforming technology. As Cesar said, beamforming solutions are extremely expensive compared to a single antenna optimized for wireless power. 900 MHz is way much safer and offers more range than you could potentially have with a 2 GHz or 5 GHz system. Energius is using CMOS, GAN and GAS. As Cesar said, CMOS has been the preferred technology for all communication systems today due to the cost. Power amplifiers with GAN typically have greater than 50% performance improvement, as Cesar said, 
just by the nature of the technology, by the fact that uh, the transistors, again, have lower resistivity. As Cesar said, the most important challenge is to identify those new markets and be ready as soon as possible, because there is a lot of opportunity here. But we also need to take care about the regulatory for USA, Europe and other countries. And Enorgius is working with the FCC looking at uh, extended the distance of RF wireless power beyond one meter. I would like to thank Energius for sponsoring. Visit the webpage of Energius to know more about wireless charging solutions. That brings us to the end of this episode. Stay tuned with more news and technical aspects about power electronics. If you are listening to this on the podcast page at etimes.com or powerelectronicsnews.com, links to the articles on topics we have discussed are shown in this page. Power Up is brought to you by Aspencore Media, the host is Maurizio Di Paolo Emilio, and the producer is James Eid. Thank you everyone for listening. See you next episode. Stay tuned.